The following is a devotion that served as an introduction for a service of lessons and carols that was held at Good News Lutheran Church in Mount Hoare, Wisconsin on Sunday, December 26, 2021. The service utilized readings from the Gospel of Luke chapters 1 and 2. For more information or to view our entire sermon library, visit goodnewslc.org. Thank you for listening. You've heard me share with you before the truth that when we gather here in God's house as a family in Christ, the readings from Scripture that we hear each and every week are not simply picked out by me. I don't show up in my office on Monday morning and think to myself, well, what should we talk about now? No, instead, there is a calendar that the Christian church uses and has used for many centuries. It includes all of the seasons and festivals of the church year. And along with that calendar, there is a schedule of assigned scripture readings known as a lectionary that determines the readings that we hear each and every week when we come together. Now, there are many benefits that come from this, not the least of which is the fact that you don't have to put up with my whims. You are not at the mercy of my latest and greatest harebrained idea in terms of what we should hear about when we come together at church. But probably the greatest blessing that comes from following a schedule like this is that it guarantees that our worship as a family in Christ centers on the life and the teachings of Christ. After all, Jesus Christ is the central character in the entire Bible. He is at the heart and center of our Christian faith, and, it is, and so it is only right that he would be at the heart and center of our worship. Now, the story of Jesus' life, his actions, his teachings, those, that story is told to us in what we call the four Gospels, the first four books of the New Testament, known as Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And actually, this lectionary that we use has a, a three-year cycle that rotates among those four Gospels. So what's known as year A features the Gospel of Matthew. What's known as year B features the Gospel of Mark. And what's known as year C features the Gospel of Luke. Readings from the Gospel of John are, are sort of sprinkled in and interspersed across all three years. Now, as we think about those, those four different books that tell the story of Jesus' life, one mistake that we could make when we think about them is if we were to view them as nothing more than Wikipedia articles about the life and the teachings of Jesus, as if their purpose is nothing more than to tell us about the dry, bare facts of what Jesus did and what Jesus said. Here's what happened on one day, and then here's what happened the next day, and on and on it goes. These four books of the Bible are, in fact, historical works. They are biographies of Jesus' life. But they are also literary works. They are also theological works. In other, each one, in other words, each one of them has its own artistic elements and beauty. Each one of them has a very specific audience and a very specific purpose for which it was written. In other words, the, the four writers of these books and the Holy Spirit who inspired each one of them don't want us simply to know what happened in Jesus' life. They want us to know certain truths that are based on the events of Jesus' life. So that's why, for example, when you read different Gospels, the events 
aren't always found in exactly the same order. It's also why when you see two or even three different Gospels talking about the same event, the details aren't always exactly the same. So for example, when it comes to the Gospel according to St. Matthew, Matthew wrote to a Jewish audience. And so he began his Gospel with a genealogy, the Jewish ancestry of Jesus. And then after that, he told about the birth of Jesus, not from the perspective of Mary, like we maybe would expect, but from the perspective of his earthly father, Joseph. And in that account, Matthew wrote this, All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Fast forward 28 chapters to the very end of Matthew's gospel and the very last words on Jesus' lips are when he said, Surely I will be with you always to the very end of the age. From the first verse to the last, Matthew wants us to know that Jesus is Emmanuel. Jesus is God with us. Mark, in contrast, wrote to a Gentile audience. In fact, most scholars believe he wrote to Gentile Christians who were living in Rome. Mark announces the purpose of his gospel right in the very first verse with a heading. It goes like this. Mark writes, The beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God. So Mark wanted those Christians living in Rome to believe that Jesus of Nazareth was the Son of God and that everything that was done by him was good news for us. But Mark didn't simply want his Gentile readers to take his word for it. No, as Mark wrote about Jesus' crucifixion, he wrote this, When the centurion who stood there in front of Jesus saw how he died, he said, Surely this man was the Son of God. Testimony from a Roman commander in the army certainly would have carried a lot of weight for those Christians living in Rome. John, on the other hand, waits till the very end of his gospel to tell us his reason for writing. After Jesus had risen from the dead and appeared to his disciples, John wrote this, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples which are not recorded in this book, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. So John doesn't simply want us to know that Jesus is, yes, the Son of God, yes, the promised Messiah. He also wants us to know that by believing in him, we have life. Well, what about the one I haven't mentioned yet? What about Luke? You're going to be hearing a lot from the gospel according to Luke this coming year because of that three-year cycle that I mentioned before, year C, the one that features Luke, is the one that we just began with the first Sunday in Advent a couple of weeks ago. That's part of the reason why I thought it would be a good idea this morning for us to hear the story of Jesus' birth from the Gospel of Luke. So what was Luke's purpose in writing? Well, as you're going to hear in just a minute, he is going to tell us in the very first verse. He addresses his book to a man by the name of Theophilus, and he says that his entire reason for writing is so that Theophilus would know with certainty, so that Theophilus would have certainty about the things he had been told 
about Jesus. That word that's translated certainty has the picture of security against falling, security against stumbling. So if you lean on something, if you rely on something, if you depend on something, it will not let you down. Picture a chair that you would sit down in, that you would put all of your weight on. Certainty means that you are confident that that chair is not going to collapse and leave you lying on your back. So just like Matthew and Mark and John, Luke wants us to know Jesus is the Son of God. He's the promised Messiah. He's our Savior. But specifically, he wants us to have certainty about those things. Now, is that even possible? To know with certainty that what the Bible tells us about Jesus, miracles and all, actually really happened. For starters, it's maybe worth pointing out that that we live a lot of our lives and we make a lot of big and important decisions in life with relative certainty, but not absolute 100% certainty. For example, speaking of, of chairs, I notice that you're sitting in one right now. Did you check it out before you sat down? Did you inspect it? Have you sat in that chair before to know that it was solid? Did you check to make sure that since the last time you sat in it, it hadn't rusted or corroded, no one had tampered or, or damaged it? No, of course not. You, you just sat down. Even without the absolute certainty that that specific chair was strong and sturdy and was going to hold you up. So we make a lot of decisions in life without absolute 100% certainty. Well, even with that being the case, maybe we would think to ourselves, we could certainly have more certainty about the life and events of Jesus. I mean, what if they had happened in our day? What if we had actually been there to see them? Or what if some of the technology that we have in our day, they would have had back then? So the angel appears to the shepherds and they're there to take a picture of it and post it on Instagram. Jesus walks out of his tomb alive on the third day and his disciples are there capturing it all on video so they can upload it to YouTube. It'd be easy to think that some of that technology would add to our certainty. And of course, we also live in a world where video can very easily be altered and manipulated, where entire conversations can be created using artificial intelligence, where things like deep fake videos exist and are very convincing. In fact, have you heard about the newest phone from Google? The camera on the phone has this new feature called the magic erase button. So you capture that picture-perfect moment on camera, only unfortunately there's a couple people standing in the background that you don't exactly want to be there. Well, through the magic of technology, you can just have those people erased. And the software will figure out what the background would have looked like had they not been there. So technology can just as easily take away our certainty as it can add to it. And so instead, in in just a few minutes, you're going to hear some of the tools that Luke uses to establish certainty instead. Tools that, that have long been used and I would say are even more reliable than a video camera. You're going to hear about the investigation he did, about the eyewitness testimony he had and sought out. As I mentioned last week, a lot of people believe Jesus' mother Mary was one of the people that Luke talked to. You're going to hear Luke talk about the real people and the real events that were taking place in history at the very same time, the real history that even sources outside of the Bible establish. 
The story of Jesus' life did not take place long, long ago in a land far, far away. It is not a fairy tale. It took place in real history, and as Luke mentions it, he's essentially inviting people, people who are fully capable of doing this, to fact-check him, to go and investigate and make sure that what Luke is talking about actually happened. All of that gives us the very thing for which Luke writes, gives us certainty that what the Bible says about Jesus is true, that what we rely on and depend on in Jesus is true. And so friends, as you hear that story once again this morning, as you hear what the Bible tells you about this baby born in Bethlehem, and as you think about how the fact that you have staked your entire claim on him, how you've, how you've gone all in on this child and the work that he did, how you have put the entire weight of your life and your eternity on him, you have not fallen for something. Even as we put our entire spiritual weight on this child and what the Bible tells us about him, we can be confident. We can be confident that that truth will not collapse. Amen. Amen.